What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to you, doers, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, hustlers, CEOs, artists, musicians, you name it, people in around the world that are really in their thing, they're on their vibe, they're challenging status quo, they're doing things differently because you believe in doing things differently, you believe in your greater, highest self, and you want to do more. And every week we have amazing people that come on the show. Our guests talk about what are they doing in real time so you know that you're not alone. (laughs) They're doing it too. And we don't talk about their end success that they're having um, because it's not overnight. And quite frankly, they're still building on themselves just the same. And that really bridges the gap, you know, to show you guys that we're all just humans having human experiences. And I'm very fortunate to have these types of guests that come on every week. Uh, as you guys know, I'm Matt Gottesman, founder of uh, several companies. You can check that out on, at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. And you guys might also know me from HDF Magazine, uh, which I truly appreciate each and every one of you guys um, for constantly uh, texting, DMing, commenting. You guys know to this day, here we are five, six years later, uh, still commenting right back every time you guys leave one. And I'm really appreciative of that. And um, we have another really great show today. This uh, this actually means a lot more than this guest might realize because, A, the topic that she would like to discuss um, is very relevant in a lot of different ways, including the fact that when I first met her, um, it was at a time where I was just... Uh, let me start with the, the theme is basically the art of starting before you're ready and winging it. All right. So that's the theme that we're going to be talking about. And you guys have to understand that I'm in year one of complete transformation of my life five, six years ago and wanting to go in a whole different direction and not exactly sure what the hell that is, but still use a lot of the things that I had been around with tech, media, marketing, um, you know, startups, all that fun stuff, growth, marketing, all that stuff but for myself. (laughs) And I started putting together HDF magazine and then what would eventually also become the podcast hustle sold separately. Well, I was introduced to Sensi Graves, who is my guest. And, um, I wanted her to be, she was one of the early people I interviewed for hdfmagazine.com. And her story was just awesome. It is awesome. And, uh, uh, recently she reached out uh, through an email for something else. And I'm like, Hey, you got to come on the show. <laughs> like, so here we are. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, professional kiteboarder, like one of the best in the world, mind you, um, swimwear designer, writer, and kiteboarding coach. And, uh, I'll give you a little bit of her background. In 2007, since he tentatively signed up for kiteboarding lessons in North Carolina's outer banks and immediately fell in love. Two years later, she applied to be a kiteboarding coach, relocated to the East coast and started collecting accolades. Um, the Hood River, Oregon local, uh, Hood, the Hood River, Oregon uh, local regularly places in the top three at some of the biggest international kiteboarding invitationals. Um, so she's she's clearly knows what <laughs> what she's doing here in this uh, in this um, uh, sport. She's garnered uh, garners uh, continuous coverage in kiteboarding magazines. Even launched her uh, 
uh, swimwear label, Sensi Graves Bikinis, which we're going to talk about, um, to meet the demands of her sport. After losing one too many string bikinis in the surf, she decided to tackle the job herself and design suits that actually stay on in rough conditions. All of you female athletes out there that are involved in water, you would know what she is talking about here. And uh, she's been featured in countless online and print publications, including the Kiteboarder magazine, Kite World, um, IK Surf Mag, the Kite Mag, Kite Spain, um, BarefootKings.com, WomenWhoHustle.com, StillStoke.com, HDFMagazine.com, Hustle Sold Separately, <laughs> and GuideSista.com. Uh, she's amazing. She's been nominated uh, for AWSI Kiteboarder of the Year for the last four years and in 2017 ranked third on the Kite Park League World Tour. Her bikini line has been recognized by Self Magazine as a top suit for sports and is the winner of the 2017 Self Healthy Living Awards. And Sunsea Graves Bikinis has also been featured in SUP, um, SUP, SUP, The Mag, on GrindTV.com, on ESPN, uh, excuse me, ESPNW.com, and on um, GoldfishKiss.com, among others. This woman is incredible and a good human being and a good soul. So thank you, Sensei, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. I'm super excited to be here and to catch up after, gosh, has it really been five years? Uh, about that. I think four, maybe four, <laughs> maybe four, four or five. But yeah, you're, you're one of the first. Um, so it's cool to get you on the podcast. I feel like maybe you should have, maybe I should have reached out sooner to had you on, but I'm, I'm just grateful to have you now, um, especially with all that you've got going on. And so thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you again. I'm, like I said, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my journey and story, and hopefully, this is going to resonate with a lot of a lot of the listeners. It's going to resonate with everybody because of what we were just talking about before uh, we started the show, which we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I want people to get to know you. So if we could just, you know, first question usually the same, which is, you know, how do we get to here? You've got all these amazing accolades and awards and all that stuff, and you know, I don't necessarily like glamorizing that, but you've done some amazing things what happened? Like, how did we get here? Um, you know, and you can go as far back as you want. You can go even before 2007 if you want. It's really up to you, but um, tell our audience what's going on. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a professional kiteboarder and an entrepreneur. And those things don't really, they do go hand in hand, but oftentimes the question I get asked the most is how do you balance both of those? And so it's it's definitely a tough thing to be a, both an athlete and run my own business, but it really started I'm going to tell you a little story about when I was probably 11 years old. I was growing up in a really tiny town in Northern California, 707 area code. Shout out my Mendocino <laughs> County folks. But I wanted to, I've always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And I started a tiny little community newsletter called The Legget Letter. And it was my first kind of foray into, oh, I, sh- I want to do something oh, I'm going to start a newspaper. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and it was a real quick and dirty. It didn't last very long. It maybe had just a couple issues. But that had really sparked my entrepreneurial journey of if you want to do something and you say you're going to do it, how? what are the steps you take to make that happen? Now, the kiteboarding, I grew up with three brothers. We are super competitive. I've always loved sports and I've always been really active and uh, in the outdoor community and in uh, wakeboarding, surfing, snowboarding, board sports. So I was very lucky in that I, I had this athletic background. But I was living in Southern California, going to UC San Diego at the time in 2007 when I first got introduced to kiteboarding. And I'd never heard of the sport. I was, I was in college. I was 
studying, I was partying, I was doing all the college things, and I it wasn't even really on my radar that there was kiteboarding out there. But my dad, who's an epic guy and is always following these wild hair ideas, had learned to kiteboard the year before, and in 2007, he told my three brothers and I, we're going out to North Carolina to learn to kite. And I'm like, what? What are we doing? I've never <laughs> heard of this sport. Yeah, great. I'm active, and let's go. But what are we doing? But I, I quickly fell in love with it and just had an awesome time. It was this real amalgamation of all the things I loved, which is being outdoors, doing sports, sports, having a community. And it's a real freeing experience. I like to akin it to a moving meditation. It's very stimulating. It's very in the moment. And it, it really has, has brought me a lot, as, as we'll continue to talk about. But I totally got connected with it. And then over the years, over the next two years, I kept in touch with Real Water Sports, the school that I had learned at. Uh, and we had just, we went to the BVIs as a family for two seasons to kiteboard. So it's, super lucky <laughs> dream dream goals but i was just learning i just i basically spent like 3 weeks kiteboarding in my entire kiteboarding career over from 2007 to 2009 but in 2009 real was looking for coaches and we happened to be in the BVIs with one of the head coaches of real water sports and he was like hey would you guys and i think he was speaking more to my brothers really than to me but would you guys want to come out and be kiteboarding instructors? And I was like, heck yes. I would love to do that. That sounds like an awesome summer job. I was in between my junior and senior year of college at that time. And long story short, moved out to North Carolina. And truly from that point on, it was I completely fell in love with the sport, was in the water every single day, was kiteboarding almost every single day, and it was eat, sleep, dream kiteboarding. So once I moved back to Southern California to finish my college, my senior year out, graduated, moved back to North Carolina and uh, continued to pursue kiteboarding from then on out. So it was really a complete game changer of what I had envisioned my life being. I never thought that I would become a professional athlete, even though I've always been very athletic. And I I've always wanted to do something entrepreneurial, but I never thought that I would be owning a fashion company. <laughs> right? I, I love this. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just absolutely no, go love ahead. It. No, no, no. Keep going. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's the real quick and dirty version of the, how I got started in both of those things. So is I don't want to say it was happenstance because it's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point. And as our listeners know, as you know, building anything takes time, it takes traction, it takes hustle and over the last seven years I've, I'm proud of what we built up but it's kind of funny because it, starting out it really was just putting one foot in front of the other both in my kite career and in building a business as okay what do we need to do next okay I want to start competing so what's that going to look like so it wasn't coming from a place of I'm going to build this awesome bikini brand I'm going to be the best kiteboarder in the world it was coming from a place of really dreaming small and thinking small and taking one step at a time and putting one foot in front of the other. Mm, it's true. And, you know, I, I feel like everybody wants to know the answers of um, the outcome or when you know, wait until the time is perfect or, you know, get all the details. It's never. It's never. perfect. It's never. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I when I was I was living in North Carolina, obviously, when I had this premonition that I needed swimmer that actually stayed put I needed something that made me feel great while I was wearing it that made me that enabled me to go out 
and actually surf and kite and not have to worry about the product. But it wasn't until I really voiced the idea that I got put down this series of events that enabled me to start the brand, but it was not for, (laughs) not for lack of, um, it it was really for lack of having a plan. It was really, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm just going to figure it out. And I think that's the mentality that we really Mm -hmm. need to cultivate as entrepreneurs. It's, you're never going to know, never is going to be the right time. But as soon as you take that first step forward, that's, and and actually have action is when you're going to start to see any sort of results. Well, and the audience has heard me say this before, but I think it's it's something to constantly drill home. And that's that moving is your signal. You don't know what you don't know without movement. And, you know, we can have a million different plans. A, we already know from life experience. And even if people are younger listening to this, um, you know, but um, life experience will show you that, like, we make plans and God laughs is the expression because, like, they can mm-hmm. all go to shit. They, they can all just completely change in a, in, in, a, in a matter of fractions of seconds. So really it's that ability to be flexible and to say, okay, whatever I don't know, I have to be very present and learn in real time what I need to learn ASAP by moving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this step here, make something happen. Um, and then I'm going to ask a lot of other people questions because I don't know anything and I got to just make sure that I'm asking the right people. And the only way I know if I'm asking the right people is just to kind of maybe do a little bit of my due diligence. You just have to be very present, uh, which we're not always that in the beginning, (laughs) you know, know, we, we have to sometimes learn the hard way. We're all, we're all excited that somebody wants to help us and not realize that they probably are not the best resource for us, you know, (laughs) if they, if you will. So, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that comes to learning, but that's the only way to, to move through it is to actually take your first step before you're ready. Right. Yeah. And you touched on two things there, Matt, that I really like. And one, one is curiosity and one is, is acknowledging that you are a beginner, that you don't know anything. I was reading, have you read big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? No, I haven't, but you're the third it's person a great it book. It's a great book. And she talks about this idea of following the thread and that relates to curiosity. So if there's anything that piques your interest, if there's anything that even seems the slightest bit intriguing, you should follow the thread of that thing and continue on, whether it's playing, learning to play the piano. Oh, I maybe want to learn to play the piano. Okay. Start taking up some lessons or take one step forward in that direction and see where it leads you because you never really know what's going to unfold unless you, as you said, take action and pursue it. And I really like that idea of, just following what's intriguing in your life because you can never you never know what it's going to open up and that is exactly what happened with both the kiteboarding and my and my swimmer company was just following the thread of okay this is something I'm interested in this is a problem that I see where are the where are the steps going to take or what's on this path let me just peek around the corner and see if I can figure out what what to do next and what what's going to spark passion in my life and so I really like this idea of just staying open and curious and being intrigued with the things about you and following down the little path of where is this going to lead? Right. Yeah. And definitely being curious about where is this going to lead and being open without the expectations of um, this is the out, this is the exact outcome it should be. Um, because, yeah. because sometimes we, we don't even realize it, but people can even aim shorter <laughs> than, than, yeah. than bigger. You know, they can aim smaller than, than the bigger picture that's really for them, you know? Yeah. And I, I like that you said that because 
I mean, you can aim smaller, but you can also maybe not end up where you thought that you should be or that you want to be. And actually, that's something that I deal with oftentimes in my business. Actually, last year we, or this year, January was seven years in business. And honestly, I have to say, Matt, the first question in my mind was, or the first thought in my mind was, ah, I'm not as far along as I wanted to be at this point. It was, it was kind of like a little bummer thing of, oh, I, I think, I feel like we should be doing this. I feel like this is, we should be doing, we should be having more customers or we should be a bigger company. And so I actually had a little bit of angst around it, but then I changed that script and changed that mindset. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm stoked on where I'm at. Let me be thankful for the opportunities for the customers we have. Let me be present and acknowledge everything that's happening and, from that place, we can come into a place of more growth and hopefully more success, but really just more impact on, on those around us. So yeah. that, that was a kind of interesting thing. You know, it's so true. It, it, it forces us into a, like taking a step back and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, first of all, you're three years pre 10 year mark. So technically, you're crushing it. <laughs> if, you really, if, you, if you really wanted to be like, if you, if you wanted to at least go into the ego mind, you could be like, yeah. technically you don't hear a lot of these people that are taken off until year 10 or yeah. 11. So if you're at year seven, you're like, Oh, so technically I'm ahead of where I should be. <laughs> you know, if you really want to make yourself feel better, uh, but you're absolutely right. It, it, it forces you into self-reflection of like, well, wait a minute, you know, um, make sure to, to to not stop enjoying the process of 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 becoming I and mean, of what it's becoming and to keep loving hard on all these um you know these customers and people and and when we remove layers all of a sudden like more expansion be, you know takes place right mhm mhm yeah just being present being open asking questions and that goes back to our topic which is just being being humble. Yes. And one of my <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I have heard recently is it's not by Mark Ranoff, but I heard it in a speech by Mark Ranoff, who is the guy that co-founded Netflix. I had the pleasure of listening to one of his keynotes recently. Phenomenal. He's a legend. But he said, Nobody knows anything. <laughs> and I was really struck by this because he was just speaking to how in Netflix they iterated so many times before they really found on their perfect strategy of of mailing out the the DVDs and allowing people to keep them. Anyway, he was just saying, yeah, nobody knows what's going to happen. You can write the best business plan out there, but I guarantee you the only thing that you can say truly about that business plan is that it's going to be wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so really just being open to what's happening and not being so stuck with what you think your perfect idea of business looks like or what your perfect solution might be, but being open to, all right, maybe this is not the exact way I need to do this or how can I approach this differently? But I think that just having that mentality of, okay, nobody knows anything really opens you up to trying and it kind of takes the pressure off because you're kind of just like, all right, well, no one really knows what's going to happen next. No one really, everyone can make predictions and forecasts, but no one knows the future. So I'm just going to try this and I'm going to see what works. I'm going to test it. Mm. You know, it, it, that's so true. Nobody really doesn't, nobody really knows anything. It's, it's so I love true. it. I love it. And, and well, you know, and the thing is, is that the part that people don't realize is that as much as somebody might be having their own inner emotional 
battle with the whole thing, so too is the rest of the world. And everybody's just running around like a bunch of children anyways with their emotions. So like, and what I mean by that is when you start to kind of like, uh, kind of break it down more like that, you start realizing that like, okay, you can make any kind of plan that you want. But when you go to market, you don't know how people are going to react. So first you got to understand how the customers are going to react. So you can start having a relationship with them and then make sure that the product is support product or service is supporting them. You don't know how a competition is going to act because they themselves have a set of emotions and we don't know if they're going to be, you're going to be well received, not well received. Are you now a threat? Are you any number of other things that they're going to try to come at you with? And then you've got other like, you know, distribution channels and other places. And then you've got, you know, in your case with fashion, like manufacturing, like, oh, we've never really done this before. We're not really sure if we want to, you know, you get so many different emotions emotions from the from people outside the vision and that's okay knowing that is actually okay to know that but that's the parts we don't know until we're out there and interacting okay. with everybody and then we go oh okay so here are some that are going to help here are some that are going to probably stall the help a little bit <laughs> so i'm going to just kind of have to stay over here again we just don't know and so that um that flexibility to just move without knowing and be very humble and ask a lot of questions then ultimately leads us to new places new people and new experiences we hadn't thought of because how could we have you know mm -hmm. so that's my little mm -hmm. mini rant on that one but um did you 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 strike me since i since i've first interacted with you you you've always had this very um humble uh energetic high vibe and uh, flow. Um, I, did did have your ego ever messed with you a lot at all along the way? Do you want to do it? Is that yes. no? Do I get do oh, I get that? Man. Does the world now get to hear a little bit more about the ego uh, sensei yes. version? Oh, the <laughs> ego. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially with social media and trying to keep up with the Joneses on Joneses on all fronts. Trying to come from a place that's not the ego is. Ha definitely has been a struggle in my business because as, as I mentioned, not feeling successful always is, is an ego thing. It's like you're, you're wanting these outside recognitions for success. You're wanting the, whatever it might be, the fame, the money, you know, whatever your definition of success is, which sometimes we don't even know. So I encourage people to actually define that for themselves. But that, that is coming from a place of, of ego. And just saying that we want to have we want to be a bigger as a company is, and I have to look into why, why is that? Why am I not feeling successful in this way? And why is that manifesting in my business as a lack of customers or, or whatever we're having issues at that time. And so I oftentimes have to step back and say, okay, I'm doing this to serve people. I'm doing this to empower women in water sports. I'm doing this to have more sustainable manufacturing. And how can we express that in a way that's really valuing our customers and give, give, giving instead of thinking, okay, we need to get, we need to have more sales. Like let's, <laughs> let's mm -hmm. try and make that happen, which is great. Of course you need in business, but attaching the ego to, or the ego gets, gets attached to having all these, material items and sales numbers and um like i said for me social media is, is a real trigger of it and i have to totally block out sometimes which i've gotten really good at catching myself of oh my gosh this is making me feel envy or, or jealousy being on this platform and i'm totally being wrapped up with other people's lives let me put this down and really go back into my presence and my space and 
and think about how great I have it because, oh my God, Matt, we have it so good compared to so many people. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that we're able to have this conversation with each other and speak about all these fun things. I mean, we just, we're so blessed. And so trying to acknowledge that instead of getting wrapped up in the outside success parameters, something I struggle with for sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for being, um, open and transparent about that. And I, you know, I have had my moments, uh, with social, um, especially for the parts of, you know, like where I, I love the content side of things and, and the freedom of expression for our art and our thoughts and, and our minds and all that stuff. And then seeing the crap that does get rewarded <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then, but, but here's the funny thing that, um, and, and this might help in some ways. Um, but what helped me in that, um, that arena. And I try to stress to people all the time out there is that <clears throat> what, people are seeing online is not what's going on and it's an easy thing to preach but i have without i don't name names because i just won't it's just not my style it's not not, it's out of integrity for me but i try to tell people out there listen the very people that you think are sometimes crushing it have approached me have approached others i do know the the reality in some cases and then in other cases like uh because tech is my background i actually i actually there's there's deeper ways to figure out what's real and what's not like how you can where you can figure out like where they're gaming the system even some really Mm -hmm. really 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 good people out there that we like uh that are gaming the system and so what started to happen is i started realizing like oh holy shit they're just as worried in their own world about their validation or about maybe if they won't look as good to sell their products or services or maybe whatever number of things that have to go along with the the story that they're in their head. And I actually, I was even wanting to do a post to call those people out and say, Hey, you're perfect without it. You don't even need those, the gaming of the system. You don't even need to do all this other stuff, but they also don't realize the ramifications they've put on to mental wellness of a lot of other people who are seeking validation based off of thinking that they're getting that validation and in some ways they're not because they're it's it's just it it becomes this very big cyclical thing online you know what i mean yeah yeah and that actually remind me of something that i learned recently which is this idea of just this constructed reality and i I was reading yes by shonda rhimes Mm -hmm. i'm assuming you haven't read that i don't know i guess just because that's a terrible assumption i'm sorry matt no no i (laughs) hey there's some dope female i'm actually i'm i'm equal opportunity everything about my audience i try to i i've always kept uh 50 50 i just i think men and women in this world we're we're human together so i just haven't read shonda rhyme's book yet no no (laughs) it is geared towards a more female audience anyway she has a story in it in which she says that she when she was growing up she really always wanted to have whitney houston's hair who had this fabulous mane and she just had these beautiful locks and growing up, she would torture herself with a curling iron and a flat iron to try and get Whitney Houston's hair. And it wasn't until years later when she found herself sitting in a barber's chair and some, someone was doing her hair and she was telling the story about how growing up, she just wanted Whitney Houston's gorgeous hair. And the woman that was doing her hair just looked at her and laughed and said, honey, didn't you know that was a wig? And her mind was just completely blown open because she was like, what? No, I had no idea that this was a wig. Here I am trying to do something with my hair that's completely unattainable. 
because it's in fact a wig. And if Whitney Houston would have just said, yeah, this is a wig, it would have just opened up this whole bit bigger level of transparency and acknowledgement of, hey, this is something that's actually not attainable. Don't torture yourself trying to get it. <laughs> it's a wig. And I think that's such an important concept because really we see all these things and a lot of it revolved around beauty of just these images, which are which are unattainable, unattainable. Celebrities that have all these tricks and tips and tricks or whatnot that they're doing that is making it so they're not aging, but they're not acknowledging that. They're not telling other women. They're not saying, "Hey, yeah, I'm doing all this stuff. Here's what you need to do to to look like me if you want to." It's just kind of make making this idea of, "Oh my gosh, she's so perfect. How do I get there?" But she has underlying weapons that make it so that yes. maybe you perhaps can't get there or she's wearing a wig. And so you definitely can't get there. Does that make sense? It makes so it makes total sense. And it's such a yeah. good analogy in a physical world, right? It just kind of goes to show you like, imagine like, imagine you get all the way to like, ah, I finally got there. I finally got in front of you and you're like, Oh yeah, it's a wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, Oh, I'm trying to get to this level. That's actually completely false and unattainable. <laughs> You know? So uh, yeah, yeah that, I mean, it goes back to the whole social media with you know you're only seeing the good stuff, and I actually try and acknowledge that a lot on my platform, which is yeah, I I am living a rock star life. I have an awesome life. It looks totally from the outside like I'm crushing it, but I have to deal with a lot of internal pressures, a lot of imposter syndrome, which actually seventy percent of people deal with. So it's actually a, a total phenomenon in my opinion, but. I don't always feel great. I don't always feel like I'm crushing it. And I, I try and work to acknowledge that because I know that it's it's hard to not compare to what other people have going on. But what you don't realize is that they they perhaps and they most likely are going through struggles and it's it's not always as easy as they make it out to be. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, and, the, and um, celebrating the people that that we do have that have mm -hmm. attached themselves to our journey. Um, and loving on them harder ha is actually where I've realized um, is the sweet spot. It's like that's where we we um, and s because sometimes with social, you know, everybody wants more. I look at it as I want to go deeper. Mm, I love that. So, so with the people we've got, let's like let's 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 um, form our bonds even deeper. And then what's interesting that's happening. So it, it's, it's, I don't know. I realize we're going on like all these random tan tangents, but, <laughs> I know, like, I but, know. but, but, it, but, it, but it's interesting because I think a lot of people deal with it, but it's interesting. I mean, especially if, if Instagram gets rid of the likes, like, cool. And everyone's like, wow, you're cool. I'm like, yeah, go look at my comments. We're getting deeper. Like the, the likes mean yeah. nothing. We're going deeper. Like, and so that to me is, um, is community. It's tribal and, and tribal is there to get your back and be your brand ambassador and, uh, you know, and you, you have that, you, you have a tribe at your back, um, with the people that already got the stuff going on. And then it's just about having even more fun and, and going deeper into, into your world, you know? And yeah. Then, that, and then that's expands, a great concept. You know, well, I, I, I kind of piggyback that off of, um, I had heard a while back at this point, I've heard it, it came from several different authors, but I think there was one in particular, it might've been Kevin Kelly, but it was about the thousand true fans. 
Um, your mm-hmm. thousand true fans are really like your thousand true customers. Um, imagine making a thousand people very happy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. do the do the numbers on that. If you're if you're really you know, and and, and I, I try to tell people all the time, like it's interesting how when you think of marketing from a standpoint, go love on a thousand people right now. First of all, that's you know that's compared to the bigger market, that's a small fraction of it. But a thousand people, you know, and it's like, and if they're repeat customers and they buy you know thousand dollars worth of products and whatnot from you all year long, it's a million dollars you know, in revenue. And I think people don't realize the magnitude of a, a small niche group of people who are really dedicated to your products and services can have immense impact on your bottom line and your company and your vision and your goals. But everybody, mm-hmm. but we get caught up instead more with like bigger numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is really interesting because I just read a great book on this. Have you read Company of One? I'm throwing so many books at you. I haven't. Company I of haven't, One by but Paul it was, Jarvis. It was just recommended to me like two weeks ago. So yeah, I know exactly I just, which book you're talking about. It's incredible. It's why staying small is the next big thing for business. Yes. And he is totally extrapolating on that idea that you just said, which is going deeper in who you have, acknowledging yes. the customers that you do have, and really showing up and serving them instead of chasing more, 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 yep. more followers, more growth. Instead of really focusing on the idea of growth, focus on being better. Because growing is not always the best thing. And he says something that I really like in the very beginning of his book, which is the New York Philharmonic Philharmonic Orchestra has 60 members. They're not trying to grow to be 100 members. Harvard has has one university. It's not trying to branch out and become many universities. You can stay at a certain level and not always have to be constantly pushing for the next big thing, but instead really show up and serve your tribe of 1,000. Yeah, well, and and to perfect, perfectly well put. I think about it like this: a lot of people um, get so caught up on growth. Are you? <laughs> the intentionality of that is okay. So, if you don't have a life now, are you prepared to not have a life when you have a franchise? Are you prepared? Yeah. Are you pre- like, how's your health holding up? You know, like all these other things that they don't think about. Versus, well, if you go deeper. And you um, really uh, service the, the the people that you do have right now, and um, kind of not stay small in size, but impact gets larger. Um, you can actually have larger impact and even more revenue in a lot of ways, um, but um, you're sustainable for whatever you know lifestyle you're also trying to have as well too so you're not like also killing yourself and and the other thing too about this is that and this is actually this 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 really blew my mind away we look at companies as as they gain more revenue they hire more people gain more revenue hire more people gain more revenue hire more people now you see a multi you know 100 million dollar plus uh company um just because they're making that kind of revenue doesn't mean that that's exactly what the ceo is necessarily taking home um obviously mm. or or even um, even that he's taking home he or she is taking home much more than a person that is making a million or two million in revenue we automatically assume that by having more revenue which you have to hire more people for in in, in some of those traditional senses um, that they're doing better. And that's actually not the case because if you're actually very optimized and process oriented and very, um, lean and, um, you know, systems thinking and, you know, foundational building, you can actually start making more revenue while keeping the same amount of people. And now you have true scale and you're not, you're not doing it at the cost of your health and wellness. Exactly. And it's looking at profitability, right? I mean, Uber was just profitable last year. Yeah. And yeah, they're massive and they're 
super impactful with with their business, but they were just profitable. So you can completely change the game with your mentality and, and cultivate a smaller business and have more impact and arguably more profits or arguably more impact, certainly probably more profits if you're having this lean inserting systems mindset. Mm-hmm. I totally love it. I've been, I've been really geeking out on that idea. Yeah, I, uh, I hit a, a, a point last year um, in the third quarter of, of 2018 where I was like, enough. <laughs> and I said, and and believe it, you know, every year I do a word for the year. Um, I always tell people it's like, oh, it's expansion or it's, um, you know, growth or it's um, abundance, whatever it might be. You know, you, you pick a word. And this year I actually chose systems. And people were like, I did not see that coming. I'm like, you will. You'll get it. You'll get it. And I said, I'm like, systems is the foundation, the pillar of everything. And at first they're like, huh, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, you want great health. What do you do with your day? And then they're like, they'll tell me the rundown of their day. And I'm like, great. How do you have time for the things that, um, you, that are really good and healthy for you? And I'm like, when you start putting processes and systems into place for your business and for, you know, areas of your life, um, that you, uh, you remove yourself from busy and put yourself into intentional and, mm. and then you're also able to um, scale your world that you want to create more because it, otherwise, if we're two hands on with everything, we burn out. And I, of course, want, um, you know, more abundance with the, the business, more abundance with the health and the wellness and more abundance with, you know, um, in the personal time and all those things. But you need things that are running the show for you when you, so you can actually leave and come back and they're still working for you whether you're sleeping or not and that's mm-hmm. i think that you know so i started once i started breaking down systems they're like oh shit <laughs> and i'm like yeah you know it's it's this idea of how do we get help from the things that where where can we move the administrative things that we need to let go of in our lives to the beautiful abundant world of technology that we live in now that allows us to actually do that right yeah yeah you know amen Amen. What <laughs> what would you say for I mean you're you're a professional athlete, you have a fashion line, you're a designer, you're a writer. Um what do you what are what advice do you have for entrepreneurs um whether they're 2 months in, 2 years or 20 years in? Yeah. I have a couple different pieces of advice and number 1 is to Surround yourself with people that lift you up. Mm. Put yourself in a room where you are the least smart person in there because those people are the ones that are have momentum, have impact, and you can really feed off of them and be inspired by them. And also put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I mean, being the least smart person in a room is, is probably slightly uncomfortable, but also really focus on pushing outside of your your personal personal area of personal bubble of of comfort and feed into where you can really grow and where you can get uncomfortable so that you can grow. And then I like to say, don't get so attached to, to your idea. And when you're first starting out, you want to do something entrepreneurial. Don't get so attached to the product or the business. I made this mistake in the beginning. I was, and perhaps because the swim line is, named after myself, but uh, I had way too much personal attachment to it. And when I I got negative feedback, I took it really internally and it didn't allow me to see with a clear lens how I could improve upon 
the product. It really just kind of felt like a blow of, oh, I'm trying so hard. How can you give me any negative feedback? But I should have taken it as a as an insight and as a total gift because really when you're first starting out or even if you're 20 years in business, you want to be able to iterate and test and get as much feedback as possible because that's going to enable you to connect with your customers and also grow and make your product better, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. So I think the last piece for entrepreneurs is, is just that is to test your idea by coming up with, the smallest viable product or how can you test your idea with spending the least amount of money as possible and then be open to getting feedback so that you can iterate and make a better product and keep testing it and keep interacting and keep putting it out there without spending tons and tons of money and getting so far down the rabbit hole that you or down the path that you aren't able to steer a new direction and, and be as flexible as you would be if you don't have quite as much um, invested in one single product. Mm, that's such it's it's so true. Don't you know not being married to just one idea, one concept, and being very flexible to having it change on you. You know, um, mm-hmm. and and that's the, technically it becomes fun when we allow that. You know, um, because we don't again back to the original. We don't know what we don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so, so I, I think that's uh, very sound advice, and you know, and that brings back up to that point of you know of humility and humbleness, right? Like the ability to be able to ask for help, and and um, you know, getting out of our own way, right? Because I mean, that's the um, the sooner to your point about if I'm in a room with and I'm the the least smartest in there, beautiful, I love it because like I need to get as much out of that room as possible, and that's going to gain me the most traction. If I'm in a room where I'm the smartest, I'm in some serious trouble mm-hmm. because that means nobody can really like nobody gets already what I'm they they can't help me get further. I can only yeah. try to sit there and defend the whole time about why what we're doing is amazing. They be like, "Huh?" <laughs> so no, it's pushing you. You're not inspired. I mean, it's great to it's certainly interact with people of all levels and I can't remember who said this. Maybe it was Ty Lopez, but he said you should spend 30% of your, of your time around people that are not quite as far along as you so that you can inspire them. You should spend 30% of your time around your peers. I, I don't remember why, maybe just for fun. <laughs> and then 30% around people that are further along than you so that you can learn, grow, be inspired, and push yourself to the next level. That's right. That's right. Well, you know... Um... I, 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 I think I remember um, hearing that from him. Yeah, it was like, you know, because you're, you're absolutely right. You get to inspire some of the people. And then you can, when, with your peers, you get to actually kind of push each other a little bit. Ah, uh, okay. That's right? it. <laughs> I, th- I, think that, I think that's what it was. It was something like that. Like, uh, and then, of course, you can be inspired by, the, you know, the people who 30% of the time that are better than you. And they just kind of show you what's possible, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's been one of my biggest lessons in, in business is, just to look for advice, be really humble and open and be continually asking questions. That's how I've really met. That's how I've gotten where I am today. I was very open to feedback and open to input, excuse me, not feedback because I was a little bit with the product itself. I was had too much internal attachment and personal ego, but I was really open to input. And I when I was first starting to try and find my factory, I was just asking everybody possible, hey, have you, do you know anybody manufacturing? Hey, do you know anybody that could make samples for me? Hey, who do you know? Can you help me with this? And I was just really inquisitive and 
I've carried that with and it's really enabled me to get where I am. It's just not being afraid to ask for help and not being afraid to admit that we, we don't know everything. Right. Right. And it's, it's funny that when people say, Oh, but like, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm afraid to say that. And I'm like, how, what, like, where does that come from? You know? And I, mm. I, I have to, I feel like you have to remind people about, you know, being afraid to ask, like, nobody knows <laughs> like just like mm, you said earlier nobody knows, nobody, nobody knows anything right um yeah. so you don't and the only way to know is to ask you know it's like you're not you're not telling anybody you're, that you're not capable or that you're whatever the insecurity is in, in not asking you're telling somebody hey um i need to know if you're the person that's going to help me get to where i'm trying to get to next no yeah cool then i'll go find somebody else but thank you for your time yes you are awesome thank you for your time <laughs> that's about as simple as it is you know what i mean it's it's really it's just uh everybody is in their own way if if, mm-hmm. they, if they if they allow it to be you know so yeah and as a fashion designer what would you say um would be some great advice that you would give um in in both being in fashion and apparel um, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's very, I know it's very similar as an entrepreneur, um, but um, what are some things that, you know, maybe you didn't see coming with, with, uh, with yeah. manufacturing and apparel and all that stuff? Well, the biggest lesson, and this is certainly applicable to, to life and other areas of entrepreneurship, but it was that communication is the key. And it's funny because I actually got a degree in communications, no business background, no design background, but a communication background. But I still struggle with that in the beginning in communication with my factory. And I would, as we were in our first, actually first couple of years, it took me to get this down, but we do our sample making process. And I had an idea in my mind of what the product should look like. And we would try, we'd build out our tech packs and this is, you know, me figuring the whole thing out. This is back to the art of winging it. It was just put one foot in the front of the other and figure out how to make it happen. And so it was very much a uh, beginner tech pack, which is the specs of how you actually make a product or make a garment. And we would get as much information as we could on those tech packs. And still I would get the samples back and they wouldn't be how I looked in my mind. And I would find something on the tech packs that we hadn't communicated clearly. And at first I'd get the product back and I'd be like, what the what what are they doing like how are they not how are they not delivering what i wanted but it was unfolding all these levels of communication that go into exactly how something needs to be manufactured that was my biggest learning process because it was this idea in my mind wasn't being clearly communicated out and the resulting product was something that she had a completely different vision of and so it was really just everything comes back to being as clear in your communication as possible, laying out expectations for both parties ahead of time, really setting clear deadlines, clear deliverables, and just getting as much on the same page that you're both stoked with the agreement in the beginning as you possibly can. And that has served me in everything that we continue to do in every aspect of my business and professional life and personal life. It's just be clear be communicative, be, make sure both of you are stoked. If not, go separate ways and that's totally fine. But that, that my biggest thing is for fashion, especially you need to be really clear on, on what you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. And and uh um and I like that, you know, both aligned. And if you're not, that's cool too. There's nothing wrong with yeah. you're not aligned. You can both just go the other way. That's like and still have a lot of love and respect for each other. Yeah, and and this is something else I learned in the first couple of years of my business. I as soon as I had this mentality of like, oh, someone wants to work with me, great. Let me hire them, let me work with them, whether that was a factory or a supplier. I was just kind of in this I mean, I was just starting out, once again, 23 years old, no background in anything, no real confidence in anything either. I was just trying to piecemeal stuff together, but I had this really kind of scarcity mindset, and, and anyone that would work with me, I'd be like, great, you you want to work with me? Awesome. Okay, great. Let's do it. But I wouldn't do the due diligence to mm. evaluate whether we are a really good match, and that ended up in, in a lot of difficulties with uh, having to extract myself from these relationships that weren't perfect for either of us, but I just really kind of pushed through to make happen because... I was so green and I didn't realize that it's okay to evaluate multiple factories. It's okay to evaluate multiple vendors and evaluate multiple people that you want to work with. So now my rule is interview at least three people before you decide to work together and then start small and do a small job and test how your relationship goes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, and now I, I, so I call it business dating. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that um, you know, in any rela- new relationship, you can always say like, "Hey, let's see how like three to six months go," um, because then we we take off any kind of pressure. We allow ourselves to kind of experiment and express ourselves and see what you know what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, um, and um, and see if we're you know compatible for the the, the long game. Because I I'm actually going into it with the um, the notion of wanting a long term relationship but reducing short-term pressure that often jades people's, you know, judgment um, or, uh, uh, you know, and it's like, no, I want you to be exactly who you are. And I want us to just like get together and see, you know, if we're, if we're really, you know, jabbing together really well, you know. It totally takes the pressure off. You know, and then, you know, look, in three, six months, you know, three months we could talk and six months we can talk. And then that way we can say like, hey, you know, this has actually been, it's been really good. It's been feeling really good. And like, right, it does feel really good. What do you want to do next? You know, and then, yeah. and then that's communication, that's relationship, that's dating, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. marriage. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's yeah. a little bit of everything. So um, incredible. And now, you you know, one of the things that uh, stuck out to me too is um, your commitment to environmental impact, which is a very big deal with you. And yes. you, I'd like you to expand on that real quick. Yes. So I, and this is actually some, a little bit of advice for clothing and manufacturing. Um, it's pretty... Oh, crazy, but the fast fashion industry is the world's second largest polluter behind oil. That's what I've heard. So, yeah, it's um, pretty intense at this point. And I actually almost didn't start this manufacturing company because I didn't want to have a manufacturing company. I didn't think that producing something was really the best way to make an impact. I didn't think that the world needed necessarily another bikini company. But I thought, okay, if we can do this in the right way, if we can build a platform that increases conscious consumerism, if we can use that platform to leverage these ideas, if we can do manufacturing in the right way, and if we can be a leader for other brands to follow, then this is something that we should do. And so we've had sustainability built into the core of the business from the outset and Uh, Every year I look at everything that we're doing as far as manufacturing and within the company and say, how can we create less waste? How can we do a better job? 
And in 2019, that was going carbon neutral. So we partnered up with a non new nonprofit called Climate Neutral, and we are offset, offsetting all of our carbon that we produce as a company. And then for 2020, we are transitioning to 100% recycled fabrics. So all of our suits will from now on be made with all recycled fabrics, reclaimed fishing nets, and recycled plastic bottles. So there's some awesome technology now around making these these fibers. And it was prohibitive for me in the first couple of years of business because they had really high minimums. And so that's actually why we weren't able to use these fabrics in the beginning. But now... Uh, starting in 2020, we're going to be using all recycled fabrics. We also use all recycled packaging, compostable poly bags, compostable hygienic liners, all recycled hang tags, cotton labels, um, and we donate 1% of our sales, not our profits, our sales to environmental groups. So it, it's really building out, it, my mission, building out a sustainable and ethical and completely transparent swim manufacturing line that's able to be around for many more generations to come. Mm, That's so awesome. And, 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 um, and you, you know, it's, you're getting a lot of, um, I feel like you're getting a lot of recognition in the process because you're, you're, um, an early adopter. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure there's others doing this. Are, are there others doing this with, 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 uh, with swimwear? There are, um, there are other swimmer brands that use recycled materials. We are the only that I know that uses recycled and that's made in the U.S. Um, yeah. We're also the only one that's carbon neutral. And I don't know the other practices around their kind of the poly bags, the, the bags that the clothing come in and stuff. I imagine that some of these swim brands that are using recycled are probably using non-plastic poly bags at least I hope <laughs> but it really is going digging in and to evaluate all of the different components that go into the manufacturing but we are the only one that's made in the U.S. of um, sustainable fabrics and that's carbon neutral so with doing all the things trying to be a leader in the industry and really affect change and affect consumer behavior and buy buy less but buy better boom Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> just taking out the entire u.s market got it <laughs> they're like Wait yeah a um can Wait. i mention one more thing matt of course so if you guys are interested i'm not sure when this podcast is launching but we are launching a indiegogo campaign to support this transition to recycled fabrics i did mention that to you before yes, you on september 30th so if any listeners are stoked on what we're doing and want to support the mission they can check us out um we'll be on indiegogo launching on september 30th here's how this is going to go down i want everybody that is listening to this episode to specifically go to indiegogo and check out sensi is he gonna be under sensi bikinis is that yeah i don't have our we have our little sign up page now which i can send you the link for but it will be um sensi graves sustainable swimwear i think is our will be our title that it should be easy to find i would think it'd be easy to find I said this on another episode. Um, so this will launch uh, in about a week and a half. Um, so um, I said this to another uh, gentleman as well. Um, just give me um, the uh, link when you have it, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Awesome. But, Thank you. Yeah. So everybody listening, you have no excuse because it'll be in the show notes by the time this comes out. And um, just Sensi, Sensi Graves, Sensi Bikinis, Indiegogo. Um, I want you all to to go check out this awesome human being's um, work and cause and, you know, because that's what we do as a global community. So, like, I, I 
we're, we're all in this together. We all have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how and, I mean, who you buy from matters. Right? It who does. It does. support matters. It does. It really does. And I'm actually, I, I've, I, because I've been fascinated with, um, since the start of HDF, but since way before then, the, 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 the brands that have these, I'm not, lo- I'm not interested in the, in the big, 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 big brands. It's funny because sometimes I actually even get hit up by them. I'm like, hey, do you want to do a feature? Mm. I'm like, no. Uh, on a, on occasion, like on occasion, like uh, I won't say one that I have coming up that's like a 150 year old brand, but like, but they still operate like a small family. But um, but I I love the brands that um, because there's community around there, there's cause around there, there's you know um, education and 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 there's like this approachability and there's just like you you feel like you, you there's a relationship there. And those are the, yeah. the killer brands. Those are the ones, in, in my opinion, that are discretionary. And according to Paul Jarvis, they're the ones who are really doing it, doing it right. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, also, I'm happy, happy to to let everybody know about that. They're they're knowing about it now, and then it'll be in the show notes. Um, what's next? What do you got coming up? I am going to Morocco, actually. Oh, wow! <laughs> so I also do uh, women's kiteboarding retreats, where my best friend and I take uh women kiteboarders and we do empowerment retreats around the world so we have our next one coming up in morocco in october pretty excited about that well i'm happy to assist the empowerment part but if it was the kiteboarding part i would suck horribly (laughs) (laughs) i know i i told you back in the beginning i know i told you back in the beginning that i would eventually just you know come out there and learn in one of the um either you know your your home base or wherever so i sooner or later i gotta follow through on that yeah offers on the table you know, I am West Coast. I'm out here in, in the middle of Scottsdale, Arizona with no water <laughs> in the <laughs> desert. Well, the lakes are all beautiful up here. But yeah, so awesome, awesome. Well, this is this is fantastic. Where where can everybody find you online? On Instagram at Sensi Graves and then also Sensi Bikinis and it's S-E-N-S-I. And then my website, sensigravesbikinis.com. Those are the two best locations. And please comment, send me DMs. I love talking to other entrepreneurs and other people just doing their thing, building their dreams, and um, we got to support one another. So it's it's awesome to be part of this community. And great work, Matt. You are killing it. Thank you. Yeah, you know, this community, I'm, I, I tell everybody this. Some people have actually followed through this. They, they'll they go to, like, your wall. Like, they'll be like, hey, what's up? You know, and I and I, I hit them up, too. And I tell them, like, hey, like, um, you know, since he just launched this on her on her page and, uh, you know, go make sure you check out the episode. And, like, they'll go to your wall if, like, you put up the post and they'll comment. And they're just cool like that. And I, I of course, reach out to them. But they're, they're amazing about it. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for you coming on. Thank you so much, um, and you know, and just been following along your journey these last five years. Where we've been in it, we've been in it for a minute. I mean, you started obviously before me, but I'm just saying it's just been really great to just um, be a part of your journey as well, and and for you uh, to come into our community and talk a little bit about what you've been you've been doing all these years. Yeah, I hope everybody found it useful, and I just have the biggest smile on my face, Matt. It's so awesome to connect, and uh, like I said, you're totally crushing it, and it's really rad to have these intentional conversations and really grow and learn from one another. I love it, so thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, Sensi. Thank you so much, uh, truly, and you're welcome back on anytime. It's a journey-driven podcast. That's I tell every guest that you're always welcome back on. Um, so we'll have a lot more to talk about with another theme. You think of one, I'm sure you can think of 50 and, um, and everybody listening, please, please go check out Sensi Graves at Sensi S E N S I G R A V E S at Sensi Graves on Instagram, Sensi Graves, bikinis.com Sensi bikinis on Instagram. Um, and <clears throat> be sure to check out the show notes, uh, cause I will by then have had the link that Sensi will give us for, 
um, the Indiegogo campaign, um, you know, please at least go check it out and um, go donate. <laughs> just, just do it. Just do it. No, but at least go check it out. That mean, or share it with somebody that might it might resonate with. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sensi. I really truly appreciate having you on. Yeah. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And for uh, all of our listeners, <clears throat> again, truly truly grateful. Thank you guys so much. Uh, please leave us a rating and review or continue leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple. It's been really helpful for us uh, in our growth and uh, for our awesome, amazing guest, Sensi Graves, <clears throat> for this uh, voicing that's happening to me right now at the moment. Uh, for myself, Matt Gottesman, and for the Hustle Sold Separately, we are out.